keep going. Hey, you found the Keep Going podcast. This is a running podcast, generally. Kind of talk a little bit about life. You talk about everything, really. And this is the what we're calling a trailer episode, where we introduce ourselves, um, the concept of the podcast, and you know, generally ramble. A couple of notes I need to share with you before we get started. Number one, before before we start each episode, I'll be coming on to do a short introduction like this, because the way the podcasts start usually is I just press the record button and we get going. And so we wanted to preserve that raw nature, but we also felt like it probably needed just a little bit of intro to not make it quite so jarring. And maybe where you wouldn't feel like you were missing something. You did miss something because we were probably talking for five minutes before we got started, but not too much. Another thing you need to know is that this episode was cut after about four or five episodes that we'd already cut. So we're getting into our groove a little bit more. In episode one, which will release um, sometime in December 2022, it uh, it will feel a little more, even more raw dog than this does. But we feel like we got our sound right. Um, we've got our content pretty good. We've got some themes. And generally, um, it's not just a conversation between three guys, but it's not much more than that either. We hope you enjoy it. And if you do, let us know. So without further ado, I bring to you the origin story of the Keep Going podcast. We can do that if you want to. <laughs> One of these He's days, gonna, we'll, we'll experiment with oh it. No. We'll we'll do an episode on it. We'll do John's here. Throw it to me, and I'll give it. I'll put it on. We'll do um. We'll do an episode on miking up John. Yeah. See that that's where my head goes. It's like fuck it. Let's just do it. Let's do thirty minutes on how we're gonna mic John up. All right. Just because I listened to the whole our whole first episode today this morning. I mean, we have five bad topics that are that we go through in that first episode mm -hmm. that are total hour-long conversations easily easily mm -hmm. but all right guys so we started this thing three guys sitting around in a corner i think we called this the basement tapes for a little while what 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 other names did we bandy about in originally john you referred to it as what the Kiva. The Kiva. The Kiva. Um, That's, that may be cultural appropriation. So I'll just, <laughs> <laughs> no, just toss it. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. He's walking I back. Think, I think somebody else. <laughs> Roll it again. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know what we, we've, it took us like four weeks, maybe five to come up with a name. Yeah, we were outside of Mike. We record at Michael's house, by the way. This is our very introductory episode. So if you found us, this is our trailer. They call things trailers in the in, in the uh, podcast world. Um, and we just want to give you guys kind of a laydown of 
lowdown of how we got here, who we are, and you can decide whether or not you want to listen to this podcast. And if you don't think you want to listen to it, come back a year from now and we'll have our shit together finally. <laughs> well, that's at yourself, least the John. point of the podcast is to have our shit together in about one year. <laughs> so if you want to wait, just bookmark us and come back later because we will finally have our shit together. Let, let's not put a time frame on it. Come on, let's be serious. <laughs> but we were standing in the, in the, in the parking lot of Michael's condo and um we decided we needed to create an episode that was purely related to getting a name because we were six episodes in and we didn't even have a name for our podcast yet but in that time frame we just started working and we came up with one um the way that room was built the way (laughs) (laughs) that was that not that one got that was john's and both michael and i jumped up (laughs) In the air and said, that's it. <laughs> How run was built. <laughs> but John said, no, it sounded like, I don't know. It sounded a little, a little wrong, but you know, everything's <laughs> just everything, a little wrong is right. <laughs> everything sounds wrong from John's perspective that comes out of his mouth. So we yes. actually, even though we both know it to be genius, it's, he's uh, like, it's wrong. No, no, no. It's wrong. Uh, I, you know, the naming stuff is always the hardest part for me because mm. You want, you know, you always want the name to represent. Don't get me started. I know, but then you don't want it. You don't want it to sound like too esoteric yeah. or, you know what I mean? Or you don't want it to sound elitist or snobby. Or ponderous. Or ponder, you know, you just. <laughs> I'm glad the shoe company isn't called Boogie. <laughs> but I'm also really pissed off that the shoe company isn't called Boogie. Michael, I, I would love boogies. to see the list. Oh, yeah. Potential I'll names show it to you. you. I guarantee you that there are some yeah. gems on there. <laughs> oh, all man. right. Before we get too far afield, let's 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 tell people how we how we actually named this podcast. Keep going, um, and then what I'd like to do is kind of do a little five minute. I threw this at the gentleman to this morning, and while I just you know I didn't prepare myself either, but we can do a little five minute elevator pitch for ourselves um, about who we are and how we got here. But first, keep going. How did we get there, guys? Well, um, I guess um, in a roundabout way, I mentioned the Voyager satellite program. I'm a big fanboy of NASA. I grew up in kind of like, you know, South Louisiana and Space was just the coolest thing in the world. You were NASA adjacent. Yeah, exactly. And went to space and in camp. The deep, and in the deep woods, too, <laughs> or the swamps. But the Voyager program was such a cool concept. Um, short little mission, go take pictures of Saturn. And then there was this really great documentary I watched on it. I think it was called Furthest or Farthest. Uh, and it was about how that particular program was was very special because it was a group of people getting together, all walks of life, all kinds of different um, talents came together. Really, for they spent quite a bit of money on the program, and it was just to go exploring. And now the Voyager satellite is it, it exited the solar system, and uh, I forget which year it was. Um, I should look it up because so, I don't even want to say the wrong thing, but just throw a rocket like the year 2000 and it exited the solar system and it is claimed to be the furthest man-made object that's catapulted from the planet earth and just going 
it's just going to st- so it's 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 um it represents a a couple things it represents this idea that people came together to just go big to shoot big to see what would happen kind of go into the unknown um had some milestones along the way got some beautiful pictures of saturn and uh there were a couple satellites, Voyager, Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. So I'm just in love with the program for what it represents. And I have a tattoo of it on my arm, and it says keep going. So we were just looking down at it. and, um, well, you, and guess, you you mentioned Voyager as a name, and mm-hmm. we both loved it. But we were like, how in the world are we going to pull Voyager into a running podcast? Right. Like it was going to be hard. And then I looked down at your arm where right mm-hmm. next to it says keep going. Yep. And I'm like, and you had just mentioned keep going and I'm like, okay, that's it. And if you listen back to the episodes that we recorded, it's actually mentioned quite a bit for whatever reason, there's a call it a common through line or a thread that we seem to uh, us three in particular seem to revolve around this idea of endurance of keeping going or persevering or, um, finding meaning out of something that's, uh, uh, you know, making sense out of the nonsense, so to speak, and just kind of putting one foot in front of the other. So I, I just love the name. I think it, I think it's a really fun uh, macro thread that we can become to re- realize what it means over time and how we're going to dissect things from it. Yeah, that was another thing we were thinking about is not even having an, an appropriate thread for what we were doing. We were worried that podcast in the podcasting world, typically most people are talking about some one thing and right. we so far have yet to find that one thing. Have we had, have we had uh, any conversations that are repeated so far? Uh, like any topics, any, no, no, the same seasoning that we seem to sprinkle on different types of deep dives. Yeah. Um, And I would say, keep going is that thread. Yeah. That is is that thread. I also think there's a thing here because it's such a big thing for me, but I know it is watching both of you and your, I've known John now for 25 years, maybe something like that. Um, I just got to know Michael, but you know, Michael and within 25 minutes, you feel like you've been with him for 25 years because he's that cool a dude. But I feel like in a lot of ways, we are boundary tenders, like we're happy on the edge, whether that's, you know, kind of hanging out on the edge just to see what's going on and not feeling so comfortable in the middle or just pushing an edge or we're just weird enough that that's where we find ourselves. And the idea of the Voyager just so matches that Mm -hmm. boundary tending boundary spacing that we're, we're able to connect with the center in the middle back home like Voyager does, but we have left the solar system <laughs> and some of our conversation threads will <laughs> they, seem they to you like they, Yes, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. So anyway, that's how we, that's how we got there. Just a couple other quick notes for those of you who are listening to this intro trailer. Michael played the music for our little jingle. It is wonderful. It's fantastic. Anything you want to share about that? Just the making or the or the or the yeah, themes? sure. Actually, what you don't know, Steve, is that I was in the background talking to John. Some of it, and uh, I I pretty much gravitate towards like seventies TV show ironic jingles. Uh, don't know why. There's a few of them in there that maybe one day we can take a look at. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, everything to me is I I like mixing. Uh, I don't know if it's irony. I don't know what exactly it is, but I like throwing two different styles, like uh, 
together. Juxtaposed. So, yeah. So on Saturday, I recorded it on, on, on a Sunday, but on the Saturday before, there's probably four or five other ones that we would probably all, you know... You'd look at me a little different if 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 I would have sent you those first. They should remain on the cutting room floor. <laughs> exactly, but uh, no. Once I consulted Steve, and um, I needed some direction. I needed a little bit of uh, clarity on how to box that in. And you came with a really cool ethos, which is um, the uh, the kraut rock kind of scene. And I just I just love. I I was like, yes, all right. This this makes a lot of sense to me. So bringing up. Uh, can and then of course I'm thinking about a little bit I the Voyager side kind of like this um, this I don't kind of spacey synthesizer like there needed to be a mix between Krautrock and a little satellite on his own <laughs> way fucking far far away from where everything else and it. Hopefully it kind of encapsulates that idea. So I, I hope it I did it justice for the first time. Oh man, that I, West African little guitar. And guitar then there's line that because so cool. yeah, well well you gotta add that in because I tried to incorporate elements from every yeah. from every body. So I had admittingly I well, admittingly I wanted to mix a little bit of the Eastern tonalities or modalities in with this idea of this like kraut rock kind of super kind of grungy um, German style music like on and on and on repetitive yeah the same exactly thing over and, over again. <laughs> and then uh, mixed in with the overall theme of a satellite just being like in the middle of nowhere kind of cruising away so for the first time in a long time admittingly. Uh, I felt like I am now capitalizing on a music degree that I got back in the day. So it kind of felt hey, fun to scratch that yeah, itch again. Delicious. Yeah. That's awesome. It's been years since I've actually touched the uh, recording software, and that was a fun way to get back in it. And I think that it really tipped the scale a little bit. So now I'm thinking about, oh, shit, like it might be time to pick a, up a kind of, you know, like an EP or something to like Sweet. put out there. So Awesome. Yeah. We also added at the end um, a little a little vocal action. I was hoping to get all of us, like the three of us and our, and our significant others, but it ended up just at least currently has me and mine on there. You'll hear, uh, Kristen on there and you'll also hear a six year old Max. I like that. We, I turned Max up in the mix a you little did. bit just you because did. there's that, there's a bit of that juxtaposition of, of, I was like, when you mention we're, we're th three guys talking about stuff and and so when you mentioned that i was like oh we need to juxtapose that and kind of say we're not just that like we're we have families we have we have this we have that we're thinking about a lot of different things so that's turning max up in the mix a little bit was yeah, cool. was was that direction cool well now you got the origin story but let's get the origin origin stories origin, so who origin. wants to start off you want me to start off with yeah, my yeah, elevator yeah. pitch Go so ahead. that let's do it give it all right so i uh, anybody who's been around me before has heard this one, my first line, which is, I started running when I was six and racing when I was eight. I've said that a hundred thousand times if I've said it once. But I was born, I was born to a, um, in a, a Church of Christ family. This fundamental, pretty fundamentalist kind of background. My dad was in the military and was an engineer. And you balance that with a, uh, with a, with the military, an engineer, and Jesus Super Jesus stuff all in one Super box. You got a pretty, uh, a pretty straight and narrow thing. I still to this day, if somebody 
snaps, I I move. I move. Wow. Um, and I, I was a firstborn, so like, there's a part of that. I don't know if anybody's into birth order stuff, but it was kind of... It's a big deal. It, it is. It, it can be, kind of like astrology is. It's a big deal if you know how to read those tea leaves. Um, so I'm a pretty responsible dude, even though I have lots of areas of irresponsibility. My base nature is to kind of be a peacemaker, make sure everybody's okay, and keep that ball rolling. Keep keep the ball rolling. Keep it moving. Um I started, like I said, I did start running when I was six and then racing when I was eight. And that his running is like the through line for all of my life. It has been both my very best friend, uh, my ally, my enemy, um, the way I, my identity, uh, my anti-identity. It's all those things. And, um, but for a little bit more through line, I ran in high school. It was pretty competitive and then got a scholarship to the University of Texas. Did well there. It was pretty competitive and ran post-collegiately for a couple of years and was not quite so competitive there. The, the era, uh, early 90s, was a different time for uh, uh, the running industry and racing. There weren't all these running groups and opportunities to jump in. If I had graduated, when I graduated the level that I was at, um, I would have been able to get on a team and been able to try to maybe make a little bit more of my running career. But But also at the same time, my identity was so wrapped up in it that I was kind of mind fucked yeah. and really didn't know what I was doing. And luckily I had started working at a running shoe store in Austin called Runtex that basically helped me find my place. Um, I stayed there for a number of years, uh, got married, went to, went, went to work on a subsistence farm for a little bit. I uh, I tried to teach English in Japan for a little bit. Um, I wandered around <laughs> Australia and Bali for a little bit. Did a few things, and um, and some and Ellen moved to Eugene, Oregon. I had a three four year stint in Eugene, Oregon, right. which I love. Which I so I've got a place in my heart for the Pacific Northwest, that particular Willamette Valley. It's a beautiful place, and I um, all through that time, I think one of the other big things is this is a trail runner. I moved from being a road runner to a trail runner, and that's a really big piece of who I am and what running is to me. So when you guys hear these conversations and you hear me talking, you'll hear one side of my mouth talking from a coaching perspective, which is thinking about intervals and threshold and macro cycles and another side of my head that says, just fucking run. Right. Get out the door and run on a single track and forget the world. Um, I get back to run techs. Um, I, after I got back, I got divorced. And when I got divorced, I... Smoked a lot of dope at my mom's house and painted her house. I, right. I don't know that you would call it painting. I was there for like three months. I literally fell back into the death hole um, and then got back to run tech because Paul called me up. The Paul Carosa called me up and said, I have a project. I want to do training groups. And I think you could be the dude that could do it. And I know that you're sitting at home smoking dope at your mom's house. And I do <laughs> so from there, I just basically got into coaching and got to be, became an entrepreneur. Um, eventually left Runtex. Uh, that's another whole story. Um, started my own thing called Rogue. Did that for a number of years and then um, broke that up. Started again. Now I'm kind of a solo dude doing my own thing. Um, and that's my story. Oh, I also did a... 100 episodes of a pretty iconic and epic running podcast for those of you who are interested called running rogue running with chris mcclung in my years there 
was a wonderful, fantastic run. I loved it. And that got me hooked on podcasting. And I keep trying to come back to podcasting. Mm -hmm. I've done some solo stuff, did some stuff with my partner. Which episodes were you on? The first 100. Gotcha. Um, And then, um, and it's still going. Chris has got that band, that thing keep going. And, Mm -hmm. um, but we had some really iconic and classic episodes. If you like this podcast, that might be something you want to go back and check some of those out. But that got me on podcasting. And so when I met uh, Michael, I just, he and he'd come out to train with me for a little bit and, uh, we just would hang around the water cooler for 15 minutes when everybody else had left. Poor Lena, his fiance was just standing there waiting for us to finish. <laughs> and we were just talking and talking and talking. And then Michael had said to me at one point, he was like, you know, I, I, I do these coffee talks things with John. I said, Trump. He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh dude, we got to get that band together. We got to make that thing happen. I've no, like I said, I had 25 years history with John and he is my brother from another mother. We are tight. We're also, we also have had our I'll disagreements. Your mom. She's cool too. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, but I just knew this was the thing I wanted to do. So that's my origin story. That's my elevator pitch. Kick it to Michael. <laughs> that was <laughs> elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's, uh, where do I begin? I'm from a small town in southwest Louisiana called Lake Charles. It's a bit of a blue collar, really kick ass little town. Um, for whatever reason, there was something in the water there, and there was like a, a lot of really cool people that um, that I grew up knowing and have watched them do some really great stuff. And as I think about what I'm going to say on this, I think I'll go towards this idea of what maybe has motivated me to become the kind of uh, personality I am today and maybe has influenced why I do what I do as a footwear designer and why I decided to start a shoe company um, with relatively no knowledge of the industry at that point in time. But for to, to give a theme to this, this upbringing, which I'm kind of obsessed with... Um, childhood and upbringing and kind of like the psychological aspects of what goes on with the, the continuum of life. Yeah. yeah. The origin story is a, it's yeah. really important. And that all started, um, that all started, uh, when I entered into sobriety and started taking like real deep dives in like the past and understanding what, uh, the underlying codependencies were after I quit drugs and alcohol and shit like that. So, um, super sober these days, uh, although I'm a very addictive person. And even though I would say that I'm kind of a totally total abstinence kind of a guy, like it's really not that because like I am completely addicted to work and other types of things that are just not always healthy. So growing up in Lake Charles is, uh, <laughs> there was a, I guess there was a, it's not a Lake Charles thing. It's a small town thing, and there there was this great little ceiling that that were that was that were in these towns. Like when you, um, for example, you can kind of you can live in that town and you can operate in that town. And I liked always seeing where the top of the thing was, like where I don't know. And I'm. I'm deathly afraid of sounding pretentious on this, but uh, and I hope I don't. John, if I do, please just say you're talking out of your ass, man. But uh, <laughs> but but in terms of growing up, there was always like this idea of what can I accomplish? 
maybe in this town? What kind of band can I make? Um, you know, what can I do in the school? What can I, and I, and I was always kind of tinkering with, with the upper, upper limits of things. And, and, uh, around, uh, at this point, uh, around when I was 26 years old, I started a hot dog restaurant just to see if I could do it. Um, started playing around with this entrepreneurial idea and wanted to start an artisan hot dog parlor and just found that it was a really great experience and, um, and debunked a lot of myths about like kind of what my ceiling was being able to operate within the confinement of a really cool, safe environment, like a town. Um, and then I got really into, um, in that period of time, got into, endurance sports and just decided through kind of one of the channels and the symptoms of sobriety, kind of this addiction for running. And I used to, during the lunch breaks of the restaurant, I would, uh, when I would get real stressed, I would just kind of hand the keys over to the team and and I would go out for about an hour run. And when I'd come back, if the restaurant wasn't burned down, then life was good. And I, it never burned down and I just fell in love with running. So I would leave the restaurant at the peak of the day and go running for an hour. And I just did it because I liked the sun. I wanted to get like some sun on the skin. I like the way it made me feel. Wasn't too much into the other performance aspects of running at the time. And then I decided to kind of go into kind of up the ante and start messing around with that ceiling threshold that I was always kind of enamored with. And it's like, ah, let's go try an Ironman and bought a bike the next day and kind of trained for that. And just when I finished that experience, it was actually, it wasn't a half-ass race. I did a really good plan and got a coach and, and did things the right way. And by the end of that finish line, I was just, I, I couldn't turn back. So I was like, oh, let's go get a Boston qualifier. Did some Google in research, found CIM. Uh, again, completely displaced from like running culture at large. This is just Google searches at this point, around 26, 27, 28 years old. And um, and then going to CIM, running just the race of my life, just there kind of by myself and just barreling down that net downhill race and just having what a killer experience. And from then, I knew that I was a different person and decided to move on with the restaurant business. It just wasn't for me. Like it wasn't speaking to me like at the deepest level of like my existence or it just didn't, there was, it just wasn't inside of me to kind of invest a long time into the restaurant business. I don't know why. Um, I just couldn't do it. So I was lucky enough to be, uh, sell the restaurant and go play some music. Um, I studied music at Berkeley College of Music. Didn't really capitalize on that at all. Um, so playing music was this idea that I could build self-esteem because I didn't have any. I was fresh into sobriety, you know, a couple years. And playing music was kind of like the agogi of sobriety, of building self-esteem. And so I'd be like, hey, if this makes me uncomfortable, I'm probably going to do it. And I learned that through all the programs and shit. So... Went and played a lot of music. By a couple months, I was playing six, seven nights a week. Probably played over 350 gigs in two years and was making quite a bit of money. And again, there was that, I found the, the, the threshold. I found that thing again. So during that time, uh, I've 
falling more in love with running, more in love with running, more in love with kind of the mechanics of it. Got into a pair of Adidas Takumi Sins and some Newton Fates, started changing up my stride a little, really getting into kind of some of the things that were working with running and kept wanting to progress and learn and um, falling in love with footwear and design and just decided to go full on. So here we are. First decision was to move to Austin, Texas. I love running on the Town Lake Trail and just in and around the Austin area. Um, and and I just committed to see if I could build my own footwear company and learn everything I can. And I'm forever grateful for the brand Atreyu because I get to invest my personality into it. And it's, it's everything. And, and the ceiling that I've learned is that I can keep raising that bar. I can keep going higher and higher if I want to. It's just life is a game, you know, and, and that's just the way I like playing it. I see it as a series of thresholds and, and seeing how far we can go and testing the limits. So that's kind of my, my MO. I hope I kind of sum that up all right. That was good. Yeah. I didn't know as much about the, the music part. I didn't know you were playing that extensively. Oh, yeah. See, it, it was a little... Again, it's it's a flavor of these kind of it fifty miles, you know, east or west of where I'm from, I wouldn't have been able to have a a full time career in playing music every night. Right. It was it we had casinos in Lake Charles, like Golden Nugget right. and like all the places that um I was playing on the casino floor and making probably two, 300 bucks a night plus tips, having the time of my life, not drinking, but having a purpose, being around fun things. And I, um, oh, I was addicted to it. So it was, it was super fun. And I was playing, leading an open mic every Monday, every Tuesday, I would play at this really cool restaurant in town every Wednesday. Oh, that was Wednesday. Tuesday was another gig or something like that thursday was i always picked it uh friday was a bar gig a fun gig a cover gig you know and saturday was the same and sunday was like a brunch and sometimes i play at the casino on sundays so it was crazy man and and it didn't feel like work the only problem was i couldn't really imagine myself at 45 years old coming home at midnight or 1 right. 1 a.m <laughs> yeah. it just didn't jive so i kind of the health and wellness kick and kind of the personal kind of kick. Yeah. I found that through endurance sports. That's cool. Like Charles had like for such a small town Oh man! and a town that in a lot of ways is kind of isolated, mm -hmm. even though it's connected to a lot of other stuff and it's probably below sea level, right? Mm -hmm. The endurance community there is ridiculous it's amazing it is like i drove into town and there's like a line of 12 guys team time trialing down the road oh it's fabulous and it's there's something crazy. in the water there. that's what i'm saying it's a small town it's got that vibe but you can play it's uh, you 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 can you can get up to you can get up to these like wonderful areas of existence really quickly because there's these communities these little micro communities there they're pretty furious and you have a, a lot of money in those refineries and right. stuff where people work. So there's a lot of good income that people can have. Yeah. Um, you can go make quite a bit of money working at the refineries and then you can go buy a $10,000 triathlon bike Yeah. and it's like nothing. 
right. you know, so it's, it's an interesting, and it's not an expensive town to live in. Right. And again, it's contained. Like, I don't know anything about Lake Charles except one of my favorite artists in the world. Lucinda. Lucinda. Yeah. And that car wheels on a gravel road yeah. album. One of the greatest albums still. She drank on, the water too, man. She, that's why Dolly feel, Parton did her first you feel uh, song recorded I feel like at I Gold know, Band Records. I feel like I know Lake Charles because I know Lucinda through her music yeah. and that she's from that place in a way or yeah. she was representing all the people from that place in such a way. That album is just uh, so deep. Deep, yeah. deep. Every single song on it, like I lived that album for a while. I know. It's yeah. cool, man. It's 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 a really fun place. It was a really great place to grow up. I learned so much from, you know, from being from there. Speaking of beautiful places, John, you're from Dallas. <laughs> well, I always think of you as being from Taos and Santa well, that's, Fe, that's but because you've got a sort of dual citizenship yeah, in a way. My um parents retired my sister got out of high school, so 91. And we had been going to New Mexico almost every summer and winter since 79 or 80. My parents were teachers, so we had summers and winters. And, and you know, probably sometime in the middle of high school, they decided that was where they were going to retire. So they took an early retirement. And New Mexico is, is sort of like my heart home. You know what I mean? Um, I would live there if there were jobs. My wife... I met in New Mexico um, and lived there a number of years, said she will not go back. So, um, you know, I, I go, you know, given the opportunity, I'll go back anytime I get. But um, yeah, I was born in Dallas, which I don't talk about publicly a whole bunch just because, you know, I have this image of Dallas and I think a lot of people do too. And um, it's neither good or bad, but it's, it's kind of like the Dal- real- Dallas just, um, like, you know, I grew up in this really cool little small middle-class neighborhood, you know, all like mid-century houses and trees and kids riding around on bikes and running around the neighborhood and all that. You know, this is in the 70s. So, you know, things were obviously a lot different. But, yeah, it was like, it was just one of those, you know, happy, idyllic kind of childhoods, except... I always felt out of place because I didn't play football or, you know, I was like a really tiny little, you know, non-athletic kid who the only thing I wanted to do was be an athlete, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, believe it or not, my first love was football because that was what in Dallas, right? The Cowboys. I mean, it's like going to a Cowboy game is like going to church. So but then obviously football was not, you know, you need to be coordinated. You need to be fast. You need to be able to take hits. And my parents <laughs> realized really quick, like, no, you're not going to. I love thinking about young a, John yeah. trying to be like, yeah, I got it. I got to turn him a different direction. Yeah. So, and you know, I wasn't coordinated. You know, we had a basketball hoop, but I, you know, it was, there was the only thing. And I don't even know how I started running. I just probably 79 just, I don't know. I had an uncle I really liked and he had, you know, been running. He was one of those guys who was running in the seventies, running New York marathon and stuff. And, uh, so I might've started jogging with him. I remember jogging with my dad. We, he would, uh, we'd go do two loops around the elementary school. And that was one mile. And, um, that may have been the first time I ever ran, but, um, it, it, 
just became one of those things that suited my personality. And so I'd come home from school every day and go for a run. And it was just two or three miles, but it was what I did. And I liked, you know, I was daydreaming the entire time. And run, so running has been the keep going for me since about 79 or 80. You know, uh, never being talented enough to run in college or anything like that. It, I could have just let it go. I let other sports go, cycling and swimming and, but running has been that thing that just suited my personality because I could be alone. I'm not uh, really an introvert, but I, my alone time is, it's my time. And it has been like, like you said, it has been a love, it has been a hate, it's been a nemesis, it's been a best friend. And it's like the one continuous thing still in my life from 1979, except for my sister. Um, and I've reached the point now where it's, you know, after coaching for since before I met you, um, it like now it's, it's almost like a, a, a like, it's like, a, it, it's a gift. And I, I don't want to use that word because then it's, there's so much rep, but whenever I go out and run now, it is, what am I going to see today? You know what I mean? Like you've gravitated towards trails, you know, which are a lot more scenic than your average neighborhood. And because, you know, I have to like drive to get to a, a trail, I just decided I'm just every, you know, even in these suburb divisions, they're just, I'm just going to explore. And so it's get, like in the last, since the pandemic, I think running has like, I've had a rebirth in it and a love for it because I appreciate it more. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, you, in, in your high school years, you came to know two dudes who are pretty famous in the running world these days. Well, I, I yeah, I, I met them ex post facto. I probably met them at the time, but wouldn't have, wouldn't have remembered. But I always, I always put you and the Weldon and, and Weldon and, and Robert Johnson together from Let's Run <laughs> yeah, for some though, reason, even though you yeah. probably shouldn't be together. But from yeah. my mind, I, when I hear those two guys, I'm like, John rolled with those boys back in the day. Well, <laughs> roll like we sort of, they grew up in a, Different kind like of neighborhood. Different, they, they grew up in a different world. Yeah, <laughs> prep schools and all that stuff. But they're both, um, yeah, Weldon broke my heart about eight or ten years ago when the, the, the home course that we ran cross country on in Dallas near White Rock Lake. Um, Is that Norbuck Park? Yeah. Yeah. And I broke 17 minutes. And that, like, that tells you where I was as an athlete when, like, guys were trying to break 15 and I was running, trying to break 17. So, um, and that was like, that's the highlight of my athletic career, my whole life. And it's not something I brag about, but in my, you know, I'm like, yeah, I did that. And then about eight or 10 years ago, Weldon was like, yeah, no, that was a three mile loop. <laughs> that's bullshit, man. <laughs> running like 1745. When I thought I ran 17 minutes, that was bullshit. Anyway, they're both really fun. I enjoy it. I've seen Weldon more than uh, I've only met Robert once, but Weldon's fun. He has good stories. Um, he does have good running stories. Running is yeah, it's this thing where if you let it, running can be 
it can be your keep going. Just look at us. What. I mean, you were you you transitioned from coaching and then got into selling shoes. Yeah. Um, at a at a running shoe store, and then you got into being a rep for a shoe company. Of, of, which by itself, we need to get that whole story. Your mm-hmm. your Skechers years because they are. You've got stories to tell there too. Um, but I'm I started doing it when I was a little guy and kept doing yeah. it, and it's it pays my bills. You yep. know, running for a long time paid your bills. Yep. Right now, running's paying your bills. Yep. It's like I, I used this term in the first episode, which, which by the way, John, you did recount that story also in the first episode. So I love that we're going to get a double whammy of that one because it is such that 17 minute story is such a great story. But anyway, it's like it's a path with heart. Like running, if you will, and I hope that that's one of the threads that goes through this podcast um, over time. If we get to 100 and plus episodes, it's that. We believe in this so much because it's given us so much. That we're here because um, maybe we're here, especially since all three of us have, you two of you are continuing to be sober. I mean, I guess I'm, I drink a beer here and there, but i sober. Um, <laughs> having come through that phase, like we, it, it is like a thing that saves your life yeah. if there's anything yeah. that saves our lives. So Yeah, there was a period in time where... <sighs> It's probably another story for another day, but I mean, there was a huge, why would we wait? <laughs> there was a huge aspect of um, the 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 piece that I that I left out on, which was like a milestone, like a sh- like the what the fuck moment is. I did um, a ten day sitting, like a vipassana sitting mm-hmm. between the restaurant and the music, and I went on this ten day sitting, and I re- distinctly remember. What I came out with was kind of a rewire of the brain, but there was a very tangible thought that went through my head and it was running is important. And it was important because, because what I learned in that sitting was this idea that of blind reaction to our emotions and our sensory, the things that happen, the sensory, um, uh, I won't go into it because I was told not to teach it <laughs> over and over during the, during the, the, the meditation. So I'll just use general terms, but like, um, what I came out with was understanding that running was the perfect environment to learn. It was the ultimate environment to learn how to objectively take a look at what we're thinking and feeling, both mental and physical. And running just so happens to be incredibly accessible uh, for a lot of folks, not everybody, of course, but um, when it is accessible or movement, movement practice, as you would say, Steve, being accessible and from that moment on, it's taken on a very, very important, almost spiritual role in my life. It is, it teaches, it's a physical way of teaching me how to become the person I want to become. And I can't, we could probably dive in for hours as to why that is particularly true. Sounds like an episode. Yeah. So, so that was just a huge moment where it was like, this is not just something that's a hobby. It's not what I do. It's a part of who I am. Well, all three of us have yeah. been through that 
um, Goenka style Vipassana retreat, mm-hmm. which is uh, it's an initiation for sure. It's, it's it's totally an initiation, and it's probably this transaction that people can have with running is that it's not. It's much bigger than the term. It's much bigger. It's an inward objective snapshot. And it is a true, you can't hide from it. You can't hide from the results. You can't hide from the emotions. You can't hide from the physical nature of it. It is mind and body all wrapped up in one thing that we can get up and we can do over and over and over. Your movement practice, you can do it every day. That's beautiful. Well, I think that gives our listeners just a short taste of who we are and what we're all about. Hopefully you guys enjoy this. Um, We are having a good time, so we don't give a fuck what you think. That's right. As you will hear in the first episode, uh, we had no idea in the first episode whether or not um, we were doing anything other than having a cup of coffee at Michael's house. But I did bring the recording gear, and um, so we cut it. And since then, it's been it's been like a house on fire, right? Yeah, that's right. A 15-minute water stop and a bridging of three guys coming together just to talk some shit and talk about life and enjoy what we can in the moment. And asking you to keep going. <laughs>